Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and welcome to episode 30 of The Savvy Psychologist. I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. We'll use the best of psychology to help you be happy, healthy, and most importantly, yourself. Difficult people are like bedbugs. They're unfortunately common, hard to get rid of, and can make your life a nightmare. So many thanks to Jill Nicely of Overland Park, Kansas. She officially requested the podcast, but it's applicable to every one of us. Plus, later in the episode, we'll try a new segment, Savvy Listener Mail. So rather than covering difficult people type by type, like Debbie Downers, passive aggressives, show-offs, those who cling like a bad case of static, and more, instead we'll cover four core tactics. So when leaving a horse's head in the bed isn't an option, Try one of these four things. Approach, confront, acquiesce, or avoid. So strategy number one is approach. This is how your best, most generous, and caring self would handle this person. Indeed, when attempting the approach method, your mantra should be opposite action. So if you want to plug your ears and run, instead, take a deep breath, listen, and offer genuine kindness. Approach can work with blamers, show-offs, micromanagers, basically anyone whose ridiculousness stems from insecurity. Because when they, for once, feel heard, seen, and appreciated, they often retract their claws. But be warned, approach doesn't usually work for complainers or clingers. For complainers, lending them an ear only provides a soapbox, and clingers magically intensify their stickiness when they find a sympathetic ear. Strategy number two. Confront. Many difficult people have no idea that they leave a trail of offended eye rolls in their wake. And confront is actually a bit of a misnomer. Perhaps the tip should be offer feedback. And rest assured, my fellow conflict-shy brethren, confront never involves getting angry. Instead, it requires disclosure of the difficult person's effect on you. You don't have to get mad. Just give them some information, and hopefully they'll take it from there. So for example, Reframing with gentle humor can be a great way to package your message if it fits your style. For example, complainers can be gently dealt with using the phrase, ah, our first world problems, or hey, if that's the worst thing that happens today, you're doing all right. Then change the subject. Another method is more direct feedback. So for clingers, you could try the classic, when you, I feel. For example, I should probably let you know that when you text me every half hour in all caps asking where are you, I feel smothered and it makes me not want to answer you. Likewise, for micromanagers, you could say, I can tell this birthday party is really important to you, and when you rearrange everything I've set up, it makes me feel redundant. How can we do this better together? 
Direct feedback can also work for passive aggressives who superficially agree to do something, but then show up late or do their job badly to retaliate. When you get annoyed, they say, why are you mad at me? There was traffic. Or this was your idea. So offer some gentle instruction to stop the passive vicious cycle. You know, it's okay to tell me at the outset you don't want to do this. It won't offend me, and next time we can choose something we both want to do. Bullies, however, are their own special case and require a variation on confrontation. Bullies can smell fear, and they are looking for an emotional response. So it's important not to share secrets, try for empathy, or reveal how much you've been hurt. When you, I feel, does not work with bullies, they'll be glad to have upset you. So first, put on your best poker face. Blank is what you're going for. You don't want to start a fight or break down weeping. Again, they're going for an effect. Next, confronting a bully doesn't have to mean causing a scene. Simply try ignoring the bully, responding with a non-committal monotone phrase like uh-huh over and over again, or agree with what they say to show they're having no effect. E.g., you're a loser. Hey, thank you. Bullies only go where they can push buttons. When you show them you're untouchable, they will escalate at first, but when they realize their taunts are ineffective, they'll leave you alone. Strategy number three, acquiesce. This is another way of saying pick your battles. This strategy is only an option if the situation is temporary or not worth engaging in. Acquiescing will get you through the wedding reception where you're seated next to a complainer, show off, motor mouth, or Debbie Downer. Go along to get along. But don't use this strategy for longer than an hour or so in total. Misery doesn't love company. Misery loves miserable company. So it's important not to stay in it so long that you get sucked into wallowing along with them. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Strategy number four, avoid. In the context of your personal fears and insecurities, I usually discourage avoidance. But avoidance of difficult people isn't bad if it's for your own safety. Try some of the other three approaches first, but if all else fails, sometimes a little distance is a smart thing. If it's for your own protection and not a tool to hurt feelings, you can avoid eye contact or choose a faraway seat. But always be respectful. Don't lie about your plans. Don't giggle to your friends when the difficult person walks away. This is not middle school. And when turning down a request or invitation, you can say, thanks, but it's just not my style. Or thanks for thinking of me, but I really think I'm not the best match. Now, how to take care of yourself after dealing with a difficult person. 
Number one, remember that it's not your fault. It's the difficult person who's behaving inappropriately, and you don't have control over how they act. Number two, allow yourself some time to recover. After Debbie Downer's rain cloud has passed over your cubicle, I give you full permission to treat yourself to a few minutes of cyber loafing or a quick power walk around the building to shake it off. With a more intense encounter, turn it into a journal entry, use a friend as a sounding board, or turn the music up extra loud next time you exercise and pound out your angst. Number three, get support. Specifically for bullies, another tactic is to bring in an ally. So for your child, bring in competent school administrators, or at work, a rock-solid buddy. Document everything. Stop short of simply outsourcing to authorities and then crossing your fingers. With this, you give up control and things may spiral or disappoint. So instead, work with the higher-ups and always make a logical argument. The bully is costing the workplace time and money and is trashing morale. Do not make it a moral or emotional issue, which sadly causes you to lose your credibility. Number four, crank your compassion. Feel sorry for them. The blamers, show-offs, passive-aggressives, and heck, almost all difficult people of the world are, in general, pretty miserable. You don't have to save them, but you can feel for them. And number five, know that most people are on your side. If you, as a reasonable person, are having trouble with a difficult person, know that others probably are too. You are not alone. So now let's debut a new occasional segment. This is Savvy Listener Mail. So after the episode, How to Identify a Psychopath or Sociopath, Keith Carter of Mobile, Alabama, wrote and asked, I've read that psychopaths tend towards arson and are frequently bedwetters in their childhoods. Any truth to this? Keith, this is a great question because it addresses an urban myth so persistent it even got on Law & Order SVU. The answer is both yes and no. The theory to which you're referring is the McDonald triad, also called the homicidal triad, which to me sounds like the combination of sick kids, a work deadline, and no coffee. But in 1963, the psychiatrist Dr. J. M. MacDonald published a paper that suggested a set of three characteristics, arson, cruelty to animals, and bedwetting, predicting later homicidal and violent tendencies. But the study didn't actually crunch any data. It just came from Dr. MacDonald's hunches after working with violent patients. And even MacDonald himself started to express doubt in the theory after multiple studies failed to replicate his findings. But he was one-third right. In a 2004 study, kids were followed over a 10-year period, and those who had been cruel to animals were more than twice as likely to later commit a violent crime. Likewise, a 2005 study followed over 3,600 participants for seven years and found that pet abuse was one of the five factors that predicted who would later abuse his partner. Animal cruelty, however, doesn't come out of the blue. It's often a sign of child abuse and neglect. Indeed, animal cruelty is basically about power and control, much like child abuse, sexual assault, or domestic violence, so it's no surprise that children who are brutally mistreated and humiliated may try to play out power and control scenarios by torturing animals weaker than themselves. Now, fire starting can also be a sign of childhood abuse and neglect, or a sign that kids have witnessed domestic violence. But while it isn't exactly the ideal extracurricular activity, it's not as strong a predictor of future violence as animal cruelty. Bedwetting, however, doesn't belong in the triad. 
While enuresis could be caused by anxiety in an abusive home environment, in the vast majority of cases, it just means an immature bladder, a heavy sleeper, or constipation taking up all the room down there. Delayed nighttime bladder control has even been found to be hereditary, so it may just be in a child's DNA. So, don't freak out if your child wets the bed. Wet sheets do not mean you have a budding sociopath on your hands, nor does it mean you're inadvertently abusing your child. Better early warning signs for future violence are child abuse and neglect, particularly combined with mental illness and substance abuse. Indeed, of McDonald's original 1963 research subjects, 90% had schizophrenia or organic brain disease, 35% had paranoid delusions, and 26% were drunk or high when they made their homicidal threats. If anything, that triad, plus being a victim of parent brutality, would have been the more appropriate predictors. If the Savvy Psychologist is useful to you, please show your appreciation by subscribing to the podcast, liking on Facebook, adding me to your Google Plus circles, or emailing a link to someone important in your life. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and that is all for this week. Next week, we'll cover four strategies to help prevent Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. A transcript of the podcast and references for the studies I mentioned are always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for psychiatric care or psychotherapy by a licensed professional. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.